This week on the pod, the first of 2021, we are joined by Mr. Finn Beals, photographer extraordinaire. We talk to him about the importance of storytelling in your work, the do's and don'ts of Instagram, and what it's like living up a hill in Wales. Happy New Year, Tom. Happy New Year. <laughs> wow. 2021, we all thought it would never come. I know. What's it what you say about 2020? Get in the bin. Well, it was an absolute bin fire, or it can get in the bin. It was, I, I would say 2020, 2020 was a year most of us would like to forget. Well, we started a podcast. <laughs> like I said, Greg. Imagine. No, uh, yeah, 2020 is done. We are into 2021 and you are going to hear so much positivity on this podcast because that is my New Year's resolutions. I've only made one, and it is be more positive, not COVID test-wise. And the good thing is my New Year's resolution was to be more negative. So So look at that, the yin and the yang balancing each other out. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, No, I'm always bad with my New Year's resolutions. I I kind of get a bit... um, a bit i don't know is is it good to have really precise new year's resolutions or really vague ones i like to actually have things that i can physically tick off but it's quite depressing looking at the ones i had lined up for 2020 and how few of them happened (laughs) they involved traveling there's that classic video on instagram isn't of the girl who's like i'm just going back through my 2020 new year's resolutions travel more yeah (laughs) yeah that didn't happen no but i i i actually do i properly i really believe in new year's resolutions because i like having a date where you know everything kicks off and i have in late december which is obviously not when we're recording this i did a day in the office where i undertook the great simplification that may or may not be today um but it's amazing i use a bit of software called mindnode and it creates mind maps it's mind mapping software or brain brainstorms or whatever you whatever you kind of want to call them and for me i lay everything out and i put i put everything down on this mind map from where i want my family life to be where i want my editing to go what i want my workflow to be like and the great simplification is i I, because i've done it ahead of time normally i do this in the first week of january but i've decided to be really proactive uh, and start everything as of the 1st of January. And everything looks looks very good. But, I, I, you know, I'm glad you haven't pulled me up on this automatically because when we were having this chat before we started the, recording the podcast, you know, I am now four hours into the day of the Great Simplification. And I've only... I've, like a communist directive. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Sorry. Right, well, Chairman Mao. One of my things is buy less kit. And I'm four hours in, and I've bought another light. <laughs> so, so it's not it's not gone quite as I thought I thought it would. <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, the revolution has not gone as planned. Okay, not at all. But I do, I do, I do genuinely think you know New Year's resolutions, 2021, going to be positive. It's going to be a good year. We're all going to be busy again. Everything's going to be good. It's going to be it's going to be an odd year. It's not going to be I back feel to like normal. It might start a bit like twenty twenty, if I'm honest. No. At least for the first month or so. No, you're you're wrong. You're wrong, Greg. You're wrong. No, lock, no lockdowns. Just, just no. There'll be no more lockdowns. No spike in cases. No. No, no wonderful Brexit blues. No, so I've come around to that now because I'm trying to be just positive about everything. I can't wait to get my three hundred and fifty million quid. Yeah. Do you know what I realised the other day? I placed an order on something uh, that's coming in from Belgium and I suddenly realised it's not, it wasn't going to come in time for the 31st. And now I'm just waiting to see how long it sits in a lorry park in Kent or or in Calais, probably. Or in in Calais. Well, here's the thing. Brexit, it's not good. (laughs) No, Uh, there we go. (laughs) because as we're recording this back in 2020 we don't know what's happened so there's no point in us discussing about it but we are going to do 
an episode fairly soon about the impact of it because obviously I think we should all discuss what it's you totally broken the fourth wall there. Yeah, I, yeah sorry. We were, we were pretending we were in 2021. Oh, was that what we were doing? Oh, and, and so, not, not still in the dregs of 2020. <laughs> oh, so no, Greg, sorry. When we were discussing recording this podcast back in 2020, yeah. That, okay. Yeah, I think we've got away with it. Thanks. Um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely something I think we need to talk about. There's we've got so many topics actually going forward that we want to talk about. Um, yeah, we've got loads of guests we're, that we're lining up and things that we're kind of excited to um, really excited to tackle actually. But mm. also, again, we're putting it out there. We've had some good suggestions on the um, Instagram messages from people of guests that you want to hear from. Some are pretty pretty high up there in the kind of um strata of yeah, photographers right. so you know, be, re- be realistic stars. guys <laughs> um but we'll see we'll see you know we got we had art striber on last year that was a that was a real kind of highlight in terms of reaching across the pond for us mm-hmm. so um we will be bringing some more guests from across the pond and we also want to hear from people who aren't photographers um and suggestions for people in the industry that aren't working as photographers but are working in equally kind of important and interesting um departments or roles that are you know crucial to what we do Mm. um so again if people have like any suggestions of names or or people they'd like to hear from then please put that to us because um we're kind of busy trying to line up uh, guest list for 2021 we are it's, it's gonna be good year honestly i genu- i genuinely believe that this year is going to be a good year well it, it can't be any i mean let's face don't, it don't say gonna, don't say it don't say it we're gonna get through the pandemic um at some point hopefully trump will realize that no one's listening to him anymore and he's lost <laughs> and he'll move well, over you know, well, it was, it was, you know, if you don't want to break the fourth wall, it was a very odd thing to see a, an ex-president being dragged from the Oval Office, wasn't it? And being forcibly <laughs> removed. My God, never thought I'd see that. Whoa. Either that or he left peacefully, but I I assume it's probably not going to be that one. I think it was the, uh, the, the first one with the tantrum and the banging of the fists. <laughs> Those really big fists. I don't want to go. <laughs> um, anyway, no, not to you know, not to get too embroiled in politics. Um, we're not a political podcast. Um, we are not. Even though I did did kind of my manifesto sounds like the communist manifesto. We we're like, no, get rid of Trump. But um, but no, we twenty twenty one going to be a great year. Mm. There's some interesting. It's going to be some interesting developments i think in the uh photography world like in, in not that i wanted to bring on kit but here we go like there yeah uh, good that's a good pun some very good developments yeah <laughs> oh yeah. god i missed that yep okay um the new fuji gfx 100s is coming out at the end of january we've got Ooh. there's no photokina is there photokina is no more no, so it's gonna be interesting is... to see what happens whether or not trade shows start again so it'll be exciting. There's, there's going to be some interesting developments in the in the photography world, I'm sure. Hopefully, we can get past doing Zoom shoots. I I've just avoided that. I was just like, I don't want to do them. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to set a precedence. I don't want to be like because I don't want people to come back in a few years and be like, Hey, do you remember how retro it was when we were doing that <laughs> ah, <laughs> over Zoom? I'd be like, no. Yeah, that'll be. Give it 15 years and everyone will kind of be like harking back to pixelated Zoom pictures. Like, do you remember when we were photographing on Zoom? Like in the same way that people are having this massive 90s hard on at the moment. Oh my God. Yeah, it's wild. It is genuinely wild. I've never seen so many flares and stuff. Big oversized jeans and big white trainers. Yeah, that that that, that is kind of nuts. To sorry, we're showing our age, but for oh that my to God. come, yeah, back, I was just about to say, not that we sound like two old men. Oh my God, I can't my it. wife's like, I used to have trousers like that. I'm like, I'm so glad you still don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. dear, dear anyway, dear. 
Anyway, let's um, let's crack on to this week's guest because we have a we have an absolute stonker for you to start the year. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we thought we'd get the year off to an absolute belter of a start. So on today's show, we are very privileged to be joined by Mr. Finn Beals, who is a storyteller, a lifestyle photographer, and best-selling author who is based in Wales. Finn, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you very much for coming on. Sorry, that was the most radio introduction I think I've ever yeah. done. So <laughs> apologies, apologies. Um, for the listeners who do or don't know you, can you fill us in? Just give us a bit of an intro about who you are, what you do, who you work with, who you work for, what ticks your boats, tick your boats, ticks your boxes boats. and floats your boats. Floats my boat. <laughs> um, well, I'm a photographer, director. Um, I think you said it in the uh, introduction. I'm recently an author. Um, uh, I shoot... Best-selling author. Best-selling author. Thank you very much. Nice insert there. <laughs> um, I shoot a variety of different subjects, uh, lots of people ask me what sort of photographer I am but I find that tricky to answer because I, I sort of tell stories around different products so I shoot mm -hmm. cards I shoot lifestyle I shoot watches I shoot um, big commercial pharmaceutical brands um, right through to tourism campaigns um, but I think what what stitches them all together is the way I shoot and the way I approach each creative brief which mm -hmm. is kind of like a a filmic, filmic approach. I shoot from multiple different angles, different focal lengths, all around the subject, and then stitch together stories off the back of that. Very that nice. And I believe you were just working on something with a good friend of the show, uh, LS Digi. Yeah, Lehmanas. Yeah, he's a good lad. I like him. Uh, he's all right. Yeah. He's all right. We'll, we'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. Yeah, we did a great campaign um, for the South Tyrol Tourist Board. Mm. Their global campaign, which we shot in, uh, I think it was August now, in between lockdowns. Um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Really, really sort of uh, a, mad, a mad shoot. Helicopters and, and yeah, I was going to say it, and, it didn't look uh, glam at all. You know, yeah. all, the, all the flying into locations being dropped off by heli. I was, yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, that looks cool. That yeah. looks cool. Yeah, um, and if people want to see that, obviously ALS has put up a couple of behind the scenes. I think you've got some up on your Instagram as well. Yeah, I put some some of the end shots on Instagram. I mean, it was a it was a commercial shoot, sort of big sort of billboard shoot. So mm -hmm. I mean, maybe talk about Instagram in a bit, but I mean, I I really feel like some images work in inverted commas on Instagram better than others, and these mm -hmm. images were not designed to be released on Instagram. Sure, um, but. Going back to what I was saying earlier, when I shoot a job, I shoot around a job and I mm -hmm. have got lots of content that will work on Instagram. It's just going through approval process at the moment with the client. Sure. Makes sense. So, Makes sense. Let's maybe bring it back a little bit to kind of your background and how you started in photography. Because if, if, from what I understand, you worked um, or your kind of initial uh, beginnings were in design and graphic design. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I didn't go to college to learn what I do now. Um, I've always been sort of self-taught, actually, and that goes right back to university days where I was doing a, a science degree at Sussex. Quite why now is beyond me, because <laughs> I've always been like, a creative visual person. But it, it did lead to me sort of regularly skipping lectures and um, you know heading down to Waterstones on Brighton Seafront and um, um, taking books out and on, on web design. Because it was sort of like early, early days of the internet, I found it really interesting, curious. Um, you know, I'd sit there all day and drink their free coffee and, and learn how to code rather than doing my science degree. But um, you know, long, long story short is I, I didn't finish my degree and set up a web agency with two friends, and uh, I, I think that was really, it, it was invaluable sort of life experience. Really, it taught me how to pitch, how to work with clients, how to use images to convey messages. Mm -hmm. um, the sort of importance of responding creatively to a, a commercial brief and all of these things are transferable skills to photography. Um, mm. you know, I, 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 I got my kicks out of making websites as much as I do shooting, but I felt with the web stuff and the graphic stuff, I was always at the mercy of the photography that I could uh, get my hands on, sure. you know, stock photography websites, back in those days were pretty shaky you know you, 
you sort of those shaking hands shots or sort of toothy grinned boardrooms. Yeah, 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 exactly. Toothy yeah. grinned boardrooms to sort of represent business. And a lot of my clients then were from the sort of arts scene, like literature festivals and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And it really didn't fit their their vibe. So I bought a camera and I started shooting to complement my design work. So, you know, that would the, um, you know, textures for mm-hmm. uh, backgrounds or little details for web banners, you know, right down to the sort of like the hero shots for the sort of homepages. And it, it sort of just went from there, really. That's how I sort of like got into photography. Um, I guess I, I, I could approach the photographs that I was making from a designer's perspective. And um, I still... I still do that now, you know, allowing for sort of copy copy space on images because I know, you know, designers want want space to lay text over the image when they're creating the, the ads and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think I think that sort of early days experience on the other side of the fence, as it were, paid dividends when it came to doing what I do now. Mm. Yeah, your um, did you have much of a visual background, kind of in your family? Um, um, in terms of, you know, did either of your kind of parents or anything, you know, get a, an interest in, in visual arts or graphic design or photography or anything? Was any of that kind of? No, no, it's quite strange. You know, my dad was a lawyer. You know, my mum worked in, book, in the bookshops around Hay and Y. Um, so, but, I, but if you peel the paint, if peel the wallpaper off my room, I'm, I'm recording this from my parents' house at the moment because we're having building work done at our place. So if I go up to my old room and you peel yeah. the wallpaper off the walls, you will find sort of drawings everywhere, you know, that I was mm. I was doing. So from from an early age, I was I had to sort of make to create, you know, and I think yeah. that, that's inherent in a lot of creative people. This sort of innate drive to make things you know whatever whatever it is mm. do you think that the 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 influence from your mum's side maybe working kind of in the literary world of storytelling was was probably came through because that really comes through in your work and yes yes but also growing up here i mean this is a book town hey oh my um it's mm. full of a lot of creative people um mm. do people very rarely leaf <laughs> leaf uh boom boom <laughs> <laughs> He's king of the puns. <laughs> yeah, don't don't encourage him, Finn. No, that's right, Finn. I found my I found my spine. King of the puns. We got a lot. Of ground, <laughs> we got a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> um, so okay, so you kind of you 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 moved into photography because you felt frustrated, I guess, in in um in the fact that you couldn't find the work that you wanted to be using in your design practice, mm. and. Uh, obviously what kind of time was this? Cause then you were a relatively early adopter of Instagram, were you? I think I was a month in. Wow. To, okay. Uh, it's release, but I didn't, I posted something on Instagram, uh, when, um, a month after it was released, I posted it, uh, didn't really pick up on the community aspect of it cause it didn't really exist a month in you know there weren't that many users and i just sort of wrote it off as one of those sort of filtering apps you know Mm -hmm. um and and i closed down the app and i didn't think about it again and then a a friend said oh i'm switching from blackberry to iphone to get instagram because it was only available on iphone back then and i was like oh i remember that thing and i opened it up again and that one picture that i posted that a year ago had a bunch of likes and comments on it and um that kind of like piqued my interest in in terms of the sort of access it could give me to other people especially mm-hmm. you know living in the remotes of wales which i was back then i've mm. moved back here we've got a very different journey into instagram i held off for as long as i possibly could mm-hmm. until until i was effectively forced to by a friend of mine chris or when we were we were flying back from ibiza having shot example i think bizarre bizarre weekend um uh-huh. And he was like, you really should be on Instagram. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm a real photographer. Because back, you know, when you say, you know, it used to be a filtering app. Yeah. He used to have this bizarre pink and green, you know, the, the the bizarre and the edges of the images were all like that kind of like weird. Only if you put a filter on it. Ah, everyone did though, didn't they? 
No one, no, no, no one ever just posted something. <laughs> yeah. right, it was that. all new. It was all very exciting. Yeah. But so I'm interested then in in the fact that you you kind of you got involved in that, and obviously the thing with photography and people who work as photographers is there's so many different paths into it as a career. Mm. Um, how did the kind of insta- your use of Instagram did that tie in with kind of your picking up that transition between graphic design to photography? How did you kind of make that happen? Um, I know that I've seen your projects that you did the 72 hours in projects, mm, which mm, mm. came from the back of kind of traveling with the Hay on Why Literary Festival, yeah. I think. Yeah. And so at what point did you start to think, right, actually, I'm a photographer now more so than a graphic designer or, or you know, that because I think a lot of our listeners are probably there's a there's a right mix of of people from all across the spectrum and all, all stages of their career. But some people struggle with the kind of transition. And yeah. is everyone's got a different story for it, and everyone has a different, um, you know, path that they've taken, and and one person's path isn't necessarily going to fit another. But I think people are always interested in how those transitions happen. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, well, it took me a long time to transition to becoming, you know, photographer. Um, as I said, I was running an agency with some friends, and we had lots of different clients. One of those was the Hay and Wine Literary Festival, which is a pretty big big outfit and they had moved overseas and the director of the festival sort of gave me a free reign really he liked what I was doing website wise he liked the pictures I was shooting for his website they obviously needed press pictures to publicize the festival and he just sort of invited me to come along as their staff photographer and document the festivals that are happening overseas um so I'd say they, they were probably my first sort of big specific photo client. And uh, that's where that 72 hours in series began. Um, I found when I went to Colombia with them, the festival itself, people on stage talking about their books, didn't look particularly different from the same authors talking in Wales. You know, the backdrop's mm. kind of the same because they got to keep their consistent branding La, 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 la. So to tell the story of the festival in Colombia and make it different from the story in Wales, I would start shooting street scenes, like um, you know, picking up little details to drop into photo essays, into interspersed with the, the stuff with the authors, the portraits of the authors, and you know, backstage stuff. And I was shooting those sorts of jobs maybe like two, three years before Instagram came along. Um, but when it did come along, I, 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 I didn't really sort of look at Instagram as it being cool because I could filter pictures. I just saw it as a hugely powerful marketing tool. Mm. You know, when I came back to and opened that picture again, and I saw those likes and the comments. That's what piqued my interest. It wasn't the the filter. It wasn't mm, like no, no. pictures. It was just like, oh, this is an, this is a route to people, a very quick mm. and easy one. So. I started posting my travels from um, the the festivals on Instagram. And Did you post them on, were you using Visco? Because I'm trying to remember when I first came across your work and I think it was something to do with Visco, maybe. I, I and did. it was stuff you'd shot in India, I think, as part of that 72 hours. And I, th- I remember I, looking at it yeah. thinking, he's managed to cover a lot of ground in 72 hours. This is amazing. Uh, <laughs> well... I mean, that and was shot over variety. That you know, was it was great. Shot over seventy-two hours because the festivals would run over a weekend. So we'd get yeah. in on a Thursday. The festival would run Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we'd leave on the Monday. Maybe a couple of days afterwards, but the the concept came around was built around the three-day festival. Yeah, and and it's a great was, concept because it packages it as a story. You know, yeah. it, it it constrains it, and by constraint, you have then you've got yourself a nice little package for each leg yeah. that you were doing. So yeah, yeah. But I would, I mean, I would get up early and I would stay out late and I would walk down the streets. And, it, you know, this was kind of pre-Instagram. So it was, it was, everything gets photographed now. Everyone's got phones. Mm. Everyone's taking pictures. So, you know, mm. those the days we could roll down a street in India with a camera and, like, no one would bat an eyelet at you. Yeah. Because, you know, I think cameras are sort of so prevalent now and everyone's mm. becoming more and more image conscious and more and more like, well, you know, yeah, I haven't been back to India since. It may it may still be the same, but 
certainly then it was very accessible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've forgotten what the question was now. <laughs> we were we were kind of discussing i guess how the the, the transition into being a photographer and then also right. kind of yeah what part instagram played and as you said it you realized quite early on that it was it was a great way to actually showcase the work and to to gain yeah. kind of eyes yeah. on in a way yeah. um so so i so i would say i ran two businesses concurrently web agency and photography and for a long time i had a mixed website that carried a lot of my design work and my photographic work and uh, you know to cut it a long story short I just slowly dropped the design stuff and kind mm. of let go I needed the design stuff because it would pay the mortgage you know because mm. my photography work I was building portfolio and I think that's the really crucial step that you need to do to become a sort of fully fledged photographer you need portfolio to present to clients for them to you know see who you are yeah. As, a, as an image maker and so i would do that by you know if i bought a new pair of boots or something i'd build a little shoot around those boots so i could have some lifestyle stuff in my portfolio mm. or you know in those days well, i still do in a sense reach out to you know indie brands on instagram and shoot some sort of personal work around their product and add it to portfolio you know mm-hmm. um and so I, I was doing that while I was running the design agency. And then I started to pick up commissioned work. And, you know, that was the time I sort of was doing those interviews with Visco. Um, then the network effect of Instagram introduced me to lots of other brilliant photographers. And I'd go on trips with them and shoot with them. And like we'd all sort of like jam together and pick up tips and, you know, it, uh, and just slowly, it just sort of happened. Yeah. And I let go of the design stuff and could call myself a photographer because I could pay my mortgage from photography, not mm. just. Yeah. What I love about the fact that you you've you've had that journey from a design background. I mean, obviously you've you've just bought out this um, book, which I have a copy of in front of me, the uh, photography storytelling workshop, um, uh, a five step guide to creating unforgettable photographs. And it, it's a fantastic uh, resource for any of our listeners who are kind of looking to, um, you know, kind of get an overall look at the photographic process because you cover everything in there from kind of, you know, the, the basics all the way through to kind of writing a treatment and dealing with money um, and the kind of storytelling, but also great little bits on color theory and stuff like that which obviously come from your design background mm. but also highlight that that you know to be a good photographer you have to be a thinking photographer and i know that sounds obvious but i think it's one of those things that can quite often kind of get overlooked because we end up not necessarily discussing images and discussing pictures mm. in a um intellectual way mm. whereas you you know in the book you're discussing why you would need to shoot with certain colors because of you know the mood that they're going to create and the story that they will tell mm. so it's bringing everything back to this storytelling aspect um so definitely uh i think you know that's the that's me plugging your book because i think if anyone's <laughs> i i really enjoyed it and i you Thank know you. i've been shooting for 15 years and there was stuff in there that i was like oh that's cool cool you know let's make a little note on that but i also think it would be relevant for somebody just starting out i think it's kind of thing i wish was around when i was starting out <laughs> yeah well that's great to hear that's really that's really good to hear i mean i i did i sort of just it was a bit of a brain dump really um you know I, uh I just, like i said i haven't been to college to learn what i do i've just sort of like it, it sort of cut my teeth in the real world in that sense and i think mm. it's that's just how i it's my story like you asked me about my story that's pretty much my story in that in that book it's mm-hmm. i've laid it all out um, and how i mean how have you found obviously the other aspect that i find interesting is that your journey into photography is um interesting in the sense that you are not based in a main cosmopolitan area and lots of young people who want to get in photography think that they need to move to london new york paris somewhere like that where there's kind of you know the hum and the, the the busyness and you know they can end up kind of shooting sometimes several times a day or, or really packing a lot into a week to run from job to job to job you know and then this idea of keeping as busy as possible and yet because obviously where you're based 
in Wales. That's informed a lot of your practice. It's informed the way that you light, you know, because of the weather. It informed the way that you approach images. It also kind of, you can get a sense of that in your work, that kind of peaceful, slower, slightly more relaxed kind of vibe comes across in everything. Mm -hmm. But making a living as a photographer and being kind of a bit more remote from a cosmopolitan area is something that is perhaps easier now than it at least used to be, but it's still not easy, but you've managed to do that. And what I think what it's done is it's probably informed the way that you shoot in the sense that each job you do, and this again comes across in the book, you realize how much planning you put into it and how much kind of you, how much time you actually spend thinking about the work rather than just rushing from job to job, which I find a lot of people who kind of starting out end up doing. Yeah, but I'd say that's been a, a progression. I probably yeah. rushed around <laughs> when I was starting out. Um, but I, I really love working on the creative, especially with ad agencies on commercial jobs. I, 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 I tend to court larger commercial assignments, and that's not just because of the money. The money is, is bigger on a, a big commercial job, but I, I really enjoy working with creative directors within ad agencies, developing the, the creative helping with like location scouting mood boarding all that sort of stuff um and mm. that again tips back to my time on the other side of the fence i guess you know that's kind of mm. what i was doing when i was you know briefing photographers that i was working with but um yeah i i, I think the whole sort of like living in a city thing i tried it i didn't, I didn't i'm just not a city person um and it I don't know if you need to live in a city. There are downsides to living out here in the sense that I'm three and a half hours from the nearest airport. So whenever I get flights booked, they are in the afternoon, not at five in the morning. Cause mm -hmm. I'm, you know, um, but then again, I'm three hours from London, so I can be on the road. I, I've shot jobs in, in town. having got a call at 6 PM the night before, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. just, it's, it's just one of the things you just have to tack that travel time on the top of um, mm. a job. Mm. I, I, I guess I tend not to shoot many one-day jobs these days. I have yeah. regular editorial clients, and they're all fairly long-form storytelling um, jobs, three, four-day trips, often mm. overseas, or was before pandemic. Yeah. Um, um, yeah so but uh yeah i mean it, it's cheaper out here too i don't need, yeah. to, <laughs> I don't need to you know run around crazy to just pack the work in to pay the mortgage because it's it's a it is a cheaper life out here well i think in, in the long term it's probably better for for everyone if that kind of uh, the, the you know the people spread out from the cities anyway in that sense of like spreading out the work getting more diversity in the work that's being delivered you know more voices etc yeah. etc from different parts of the country just makes sense yeah um but yeah it's um, I, I guess in some ways like it, it, it's keeping your 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 brand visible is maybe a little trickier mm -hmm. you know when you're in town in face-to-face -to -face portfolio visits with agencies and things like that um are an important well, they're part. not happening well no they're not <laughs> but they but they were and yeah, yeah. they're important in terms of yeah. getting known within agencies and you know to art directors producers that land the the, the creative briefs from clients you know mm -hmm. and aligning photographers with that brief it's good to be in front of in them. some ways it's it's good to to focus the mind though isn't it it's like if you know i've done trips to new york before and you know that you're there for a certain amount of time yep. so you you book in your yep. three or four meetings in a day yeah um and you just you, you know you get through them yeah um, um, whereas if it's on your doorstep you might be a bit more laissez-faire about it yeah yeah and that's how i do it um mm. I, 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 and they're usually always like north london south london west london east london and back to north <laughs> london and down south london because it's booked by my agent <laughs> or you, you you book in according to the agency's time scales you know but you know yeah. again that's where instagram comes in you know actually i do land a lot of work via instagram because these same creatives art directors producers are following photographers on instagram and then mm. you know um, if a brief comes in that aligns with a photographer's work that they're seeing on Instagram and they're picking up the personality uh, via the postings on Instagram, 
they'll they'll reach out and and you get on a creative call with them i mentioned yeah. i mentioned the personality thing because i think it's important to post a variety of stuff on instagram to get yeah to get your personality across because i think that's a key aspect of landing work or landing sort of bigger assignments how you are as a character how you how you react under mm-hmm. pressure and all that sort of stuff because you know you might have an amazing portfolio but you might be a nightmare to work with and i think those face-to-face portfolio visits are quite useful for the artist yes. or the producers to yeah. engage you know it's mm-hmm. essentially an interview isn't it yeah yeah so and i guess it'd be interesting for our listeners if what that's an interesting takeaway from uh best business practice i guess for using social media have you got any other kind of thoughts on it being someone who you know you have was it over how many followers have you got now it's uh, five not well, five hundred thousand something like that close to six so, yeah uh, a half few, a million it's a, it's a few, yeah that sounds good doesn't it it's a few isn't it it's a few <laughs> so obviously you know you're doing something right um what kind of takeaways would you be giving um our listeners for kind of best best business practice when it comes to using instagram because obviously instagram is one of those things it is just a a tool and there will it will disappear and there will be other tools so it doesn't need to be instagram specific but and the other thing with instagram is it changes a lot you know the uh, the algorithm changes and and that can affect what gets seen and what doesn't get seen yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I noticed uh, someone tweeted about it recently about they posted something on Reels and their account's gone crazy because they've obviously weighted the algorithm to sort of, you know, uh, towards people that are using their new product. Mm. Stuff. No, I mean, the thing with Instagram, I, I definitely benefited from getting in early for sure. Um, mm-hmm. that, that it was a different scene then. There was a, a really sort of encouraging creative community that would sort of, you know, shout out people doing good work and there was no money involved in it. There was no sponsored posts or anything like that. So there were way less egos and, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, it's mine. I don't, I'm not going to shout this person out because I want all the work. There was none of that. Mm. It was just like, oh, Finn's doing awesome work. Go and check him out. Or I'd be like, Alex is doing great work. Go and check him out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I still kind of try and do that, um, especially with my with my my book people have been posting these great collages and flat lays of like my book and you know i you know share those and when you look at the insights on those things i'm sharing no one's really buying my book but they're going to check out the person's account you know so it's like giving back that sense Mm. but i think i don't know interacting with your following or interacting with people that are doing good work you know being mm. fairly genuine not just saying awesome great post you know it's just like if you're interested in someone's work uh, <laughs> ask them about it mm-hmm. yeah um, and they'll come back to you and and then you know i've met some fantastic people through instagram i really have some mm. and they're, they're great friends now and i travel to see them and i work with them and you know the book that i've just written came off the back of a w- online workshop that I did with a good pal of mine called Alex Stroll. Um, and there's no way I would have met this, you know, Spanish French guy who lives in Montana had it not been for that app and it not been for me interacting over that platform with him. Mm. Um, That's pretty wild, isn't it? Like what, what connections can come out of, you know, yeah, stuff like that. It's mad. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's just a virtual method of connecting with people. When you think about it, it's a bit like, say you go into a pub of an evening and you sit in the corner all night and you don't talk to anyone. And then you leave after two pints at the end of the night, uh, you've got no friends or, 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 or you haven't expanded your network. Whereas if you sit at the bar and you have a chat and you sort of, you know, strike up conversation with people, then you can leave at the end of the night with, 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 you know, a wider network and all the influence that that brings. Mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the way to look at it that's mm-hmm. the sort of, sort of power of these these networks and um where am i going in terms of like best practice i think it is social media it's not a portfolio and i think it's a mistake sometimes to treat it like a portfolio it's good yeah. to inject a bit of personal personality personal work whatever you think of stories and stuff i'm not a massive fan of them but people are interested in the person yeah. behind the images so mm-hmm. as much as it's sort of <laughs> sometimes a little bit distasteful to share your 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 you 
yeah. a person is actually it goes down well with people because I guess the difficulty is how time consuming it is. I mean, I I was a slow adopter of stories partly because of of just I don't when I'm working I'm not shooting that many pictures with my phone i'm so kind of focused on yeah. what i'm doing that i'm not really snapping those behind the scenes images or videos yeah. and maybe that's a generational thing maybe that's just my use of my phone i don't know but it's interesting you're talking about the way that reels is now you know because that's again the whole time it's it's they're trying to encourage you to just be constantly using your phone and capturing everything yeah um which i have a bit of a problem with because it kind of starts to take away uh it takes you out of the situation i agree you know, I... photography already does that to some extent it it mm. can take you further into a situation because it gives you an excuse to engage in some ways it gives you an excuse to go somewhere an excuse to be nosy an excuse to talk to people but mm. at the same time you know we've all i'm sure you've kind of photographed somebody quite well known or you've been to a gig and you photographed it and you come out of it and you don't remember it as much and I think we've both, I mean, I, I remember, I think I saw some work of yours photographing the gorillas in Rwanda, mm-hmm. potentially, mm-hmm. and I, or Uganda. I did a, a story years ago in, in Rwanda photographing the gorillas. And it was something I'd always wanted to do was to, to go and see the gorillas, not necessarily photograph them, but go see them. Mm. And I remember having to put my camera down and be like, I just need to stop mm. shooting because I could just shoot this entire situation and, and mm. actually I wouldn't remember it. Mm. and actually be in the moment you know and it was interesting because the tourists around who were there just visiting you know paid to visit were shooting everything all the time and all of their engagement was taking place not with the gorilla but looking at their phone that's looking at the gorilla yeah you know and it's like you're just looking at a screen you're not actually looking at the thing that's in front of you and that's very easy to do yes or a trap to fall into Oh yeah, absolutely agree. I hundred percent agree with that. Um, and I, I would say I, I, I find it annoying when I come off a shoot and I don't have, I haven't been shooting with my uh, phone afterwards because there's lots of stuff that I feel like I could have shared and I can't really impart this Tyrol experience. I don't have much behind the scenes stuff, and we were doing amazing things, you know, flying around mm-hmm. helicopters and stuff. But I, I don't really have it because I was concentrating on my job. That's what I was there for. Yeah. And, and, that that takes my focus and so sh- so it should mm, but I, yeah. guess, I guess it's i mean the personal stuff that i share is is kind of really personal it's just like me slopping around in wellies on the side of a hill in wales and all like <laughs> climbing mountains and shooting landscapes around here more more personal work and then then mm. i will ask crew on a shoot sometimes if they've shot stuff of me working because yeah. i yeah. think that actually is of more value to my followers than more uh first person view from, mm-hmm. from yes. myself do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like assistants if i have them and they're shooting with the iphone say so can you just shoot me doing this because I, one i find it really interesting because i'm like totally in the zone when i'm doing that is that how i stand when i take yeah, yeah right yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like i'll listen back to this and i'll be like oh my god this is what i sound like like you know it's been like it's that sort of thing, but um, yeah. 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 Did you? I, I was interested in. In um, I noticed that we we've both actually shot um, Brightling jets. Oh, cool. uh, I believe I shot it for a magazine story, and I, I believe you were shooting for Brightling itself. But yeah. but part of that process involved going up in an L thirty nine Albatross. Yes. With the display team. Epic. <laughs> which is pretty nuts. Yes. How did you find that? Uh, I was really, really anxious, like two, three days going into it. Um, but when I woke up on the on the morning of it, I was just, I was so psyched, and uh, uh, I absolutely loved it. I genuinely loved it. It was, it was really fantastic. Because yeah. I, I think like the um, the not being sick. I'm glad I wasn't sick in the just the last thing I wanted to be sick in the cockpit. And B. Uh, I'm just interested because I actually made a conscious choice to take a smaller camera because um, I hadn't really thought this through until quite soon before. But when you're hitting like a corner doing 5G or a loop-de-loop, your camera weighs five times as much as it should do. That's right. (laughs) 
yeah. and just trying to lift it to your eye to take a picture becomes incredibly difficult. Yeah, I got I got my my Canon 5D in the cockpit actually, but I had to argue hard with the the, the leader of the what do you call them squadrons? I don't know squadron. Squadron. Yeah. Squadron. Um, because it is actually a safety issue because, because yeah, because uh, if you let go of it, yeah, 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 hundred um, percent. But he after some you know good. Uh, you know reasons i was like i'm here to shoot this for riling you know let me take it he's mm. okay with it and there is some footage actually on my website of me shooting as we go over we do a loop the loop and it's exactly that you know as you're going up you're you're pulling 5g's and my camera is like pressed against my chest but as we like invert or upside down it become you come back Wait to weightlessness and uh yeah. Uh, I can just rattle off a few frames, and then as I come back down again, you see it like slam against my chest because because of that uh, G force. But yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty intense. Yeah, but it's also an, a great example of where the weird and wonderful things that you can end up doing through yeah. photography. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like a that, that's the most privileged part of it. Really, it's like a passport into other people's way of life, you know, and it and it that that's really quite special. And I mm. kind of, when I look back at my portfolio, sometimes I really do have to slap my face, you know, because I'm like, where, really? And maybe that's because I've been viewing it through the viewfinder, a bit like what you were saying earlier. You're slightly removed from these insane experiences. Mm. But I have done them. There's proof. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned, obviously, uh, about asking your crew if they've, if they've kind of taken any behind-the-scenes uh, kind of shots. You know, a lot of your stuff is shot with available light. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine smaller crews. Yeah. Um, uh, for two reasons. I think in terms of like the footprint on set, it's easier to pivot and change mm -hmm. location. Uh, smaller, the smaller the crew. But also in terms of keeping everyone kind of relaxed and chilled, like the bigger the crew, the more more pressure in a sense there's more people to look after you know part of your job as a photographer is to keep everyone you know energies energy high and you know keeping talent on set relaxed and mm -hmm. you know, obviously if there's client there's agency there then you need to charm them and keep them you know on side um and that's aside from making your pictures you know there's, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, kind of, of it's, it's pretty multidisciplinary in that sense um mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, working with people like Lemonas is, is so, so brilliant. He's, he's like a second brain mm -hmm. sort of comes, mm -hmm. comes with me on set, especially on the sort of technical side of things. Um, yeah. He's got, he's kind of got the technical stuff down really, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. He's very <laughs> like forefront of, of, of kit. He does mm. love kit. He told me the other, on that Tyrol job that he has like a lockup of kit that he's sort of like, stores all his stuff and then like, for that job he brought along these like wireless uh, monitors so we could have the client you know on one side of the mountain we were shooting on the other side um, mm -hmm. it, all that sort of helps so we kind of like have a smaller footprint where we're working when we yep. shoot client um, with the talent and we can move around but then you know client at, on the other side of the mountain they're still there but they're not as sort of directly involved in the actual do you theme. find you know what you were saying earlier is obviously you love working with creative directors and stuff. Obviously, the creative directors with you, clients over over there. Do you prefer obviously working with as fewer people on the ground? Oh, I don't know. No, not necessarily. I, 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 guess, I, I, I guess it depends entirely on the people, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. That would make a big difference. <laughs> but I think I think I also think that's like part of the job is that ability to read people and you know react to them they're mm -hmm. ultimately the client i i'm not a it's this way or the highway type photographer i'm like okay i'm here to make work with you this is your idea and like it's it's like almost like a method of negotiation it's just like well i'm not sure this is going to work should we try this you know and, and, that, mm -hmm. and that's like interpersonal social skills that come into sort of like creating the best image ultimately everyone is there to make the best image they can for the client you know mm. and i i enjoy that sort of collaboration across the team mm -hmm. um, you know 
yeah do you um from a technical point of view when you're shooting nowadays because i noticed in the in the book you um you talk a lot at the end to do with the way that you catalog and you back up and tom will be excited to to read the chapter and backups and storage because that gives him um let's talk about data yeah nope (laughs) (laughs) um but i was interested um you you use lightroom a lot do you still tend to use that on commercial jobs or are you kind of flipping between Lightroom and, and Capture or you're getting Digi's uh, kind of lamenting, like giving no, you stress? No, I mean, we use Capture <laughs> on, on on location. If I'm tethered, um, it's just more reliable. Mm-hmm. I use Lightroom for cataloging. I started with it. I find it more intuitive to use in that respect. It's probably because I've mm. used it for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That would that would be my my reason on that front, but I mean, obviously, Lemonus is capture wizard, so yeah, uh, uh, yeah. There's some nice bits in the book about your kind of file naming conventions and all that stuff. Again, so it's really useful for anyone who's kind of trying to um, data manage. There's a lot in there about that. I thought that was you know good good to. You, it's very rare that you see that kind of level of detail in a photography book, I guess. Most photography books are about how to take pictures, and this is about the whole process. Yeah, yeah, it's it's split across the sort of like the various stages, the life of a shoot. So, mm-hmm. you know, pitching, preparing, shooting, editing, delivering. I think that's the sort of five stages that I would take across the shoot. Yeah, and editing and like dealing with like a wealth of images is a you know it's a big part of it, and. Um, it takes up a lot of time and you know i think that that's also worth considering when you're sort of pricing jobs and stuff you know it's very very easy when you're starting out you're just like oh yeah i'll do a one-day shoot and this is how much it's going to cost but like of course it's not one day shoot there's so mm. much more time involved with it and um, what does your go sorry uh, what does your working day normally look like i mean do you have um a kind of office setup or studio setup in your in in wales where you kind of you try and keep a strict day because obviously you're a busy family man as well yeah i am they do keep me (laughs) occupied uh no we have uh i actually rent a uh studio space in town and we rent out other desks within it for other Mm -hmm. freelancers creatives so it's kind of like a hot desking hot desking place but i have like a back room that's to myself Mm -hmm. And so that's got all my my gear in it. Um, in terms of like regular office days, I'm not sure I quite keep regular hours. Um, I um, I think that would kill me actually. Nine to five. <laughs> well, it's why you signed up for the job in a way is the fact that you get to choose how you spend your time because that's yeah. one of the things that is so amazing about what we do. I mean, obviously, people have probably had a bit more time than they know what to do with this year, mm. but normally the fact that you get to choose how you spend your time is is one of the big bonuses because it's something that money can't buy you yes yes i i value that hugely um obviously with that comes a level of anxiety in terms of where's the next job coming from but that's mm-hmm. the life of a freelancer and i've been freelance since i left university when i'm I set up that web agency you know that's it, you know it keeps you hustling and it keeps you you know your eye on the horizon and I, that that is a form of drive really i'd rather that form of drive than an alarm clock going off going oh, i've got to be in the office at nine o'clock in the morning mm, yeah it's like yeah all right where's my next job coming from all right where, where am i going to go next you know you can in, in a sense you can kind of like design your life <laughs> in a way mm. um, my mate alex stroll talks about designing life a lot um he's kind of he's a master of it actually yeah. yeah, well, I mean, he's built, built himself an amazing house in Montana, hasn't he? Yeah, from what I've seen. yeah it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I don't, I don't know this guy. I've got to look up this guy. So hang on. So he's a French guy living in Canada. That's, uh, not, only, that's not that no. unusual. He lives in Montana, actually. Yeah, North America. Oh, bloody hell. My geography is all over the shop. Hang on. Yeah, right. Got it. This isn't a podcast of man looks up things on the internet. <laughs> no, fair enough. <laughs> that, that, that would possibly be the most dull thing. Dull thing <laughs> So I guess um, we're probably nearing the end of our chat, but I'd, I'd be interested to know what the future, what you're kind of thinking about for the future, what kind of excites you about where things are going, mm. um, any thoughts you've got. Because I think this year has given a lot of people time for reflection. Mm. There's been a lot of people that are maybe changing direction. There's a 
word mm. of the year seems to be pivoting. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, do you, I mean, have you had a lot of time for reflection this year or has the book just kept you busy? <laughs> uh, the book has kept me busy, but that's kind of part of the pivot, isn't it, in a sense? I mean, I really <laughs> feel like as a freelancer, whatever you're, industry you kind of need to have fingers in lots of pies you know I, I i i really don't i think it's dangerous to have like a single point of failure in a sense because you are <laughs> massively reliant on your next job in that sense so like it's a bit like investing i don't invest <laughs> but the advice when you invest in the stocks and shares is like diverse your diversify your portfolio and i that's the kind of way that i approach my job and but just by freelancing, you're doing that slightly anyway, aren't you? Because it, it, compared to, say, someone who has a single nine to five and then they lose their job. Yeah, 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 I guess, I guess. But, you know, if you, if you like, have all your eggs in the travel photography market, you're in a bit of a bind at the moment because it's, mm. it's hard to shoot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the video workshop that we I sell online, the the book is part of it like extending the brand um you know there's some like products that i'm looking at developing at the moment uh you know i like the way lemonas does that you know Mm -hmm. you know he's he's extended his portfolio in a sense beyond his day-to-day job um um so yeah i think i think that's that's the way i'm i'm looking at the next few months i mean i I genuinely think it will it will come back there's mm-hmm. massive pent-up demand. Everyone needs a holiday, don't they? So, you know, the travel sector is going to bounce back. Um, this won't last forever. It's it's just what we do with ourselves while it is going on. And writing is certainly keeping me busy. Mm. I'm, I'm writing a second book at the moment, which is, you know, working with a, a group of different photographers from around the world, people that I respect and admire, interviewing them and asking about their process and, you know, that's kind of nice. It's like collaborative again. It kind of goes back to the original sort of Instagram ethos, um, sort of a collective marketing effort. That's the way I approach it. There's not massive mm-hmm. money in books, but, you know, it all helps the sort of community. So, Yeah, of course. Also, it's just nice to have something tangible, isn't it? I think at the end of my, end of my career, I'll be like, eh, I've got a hard drive, haven't I? Yeah, well, that's the shame about the digital world, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. I like, I like, I'm like, I'm like, what if Instagram disappears overnight and that back catalog of work goes or you know the internet blows up or you know yeah, yeah. it's hacked well we've all, we've all seen the it crowd haven't we yeah <laughs> so do you know do you know the the, the thing is I, i've had this theory and i've kind of been saying it for years and years pretty much to anyone who listens so apologies if i've said it before i genuinely think we're going to be the forgotten generation so like when you're you're, well, I, I know. Let me. It's not quite as bleak as it sounds. Let me. Let me. Can you hear the violin playing? <laughs> so, with with the uh, you know, when when parents or grandparents or relatives have passed, you know, quite often the the generation above have left us boxes upon boxes of prints, negs, you know, all sorts of stuff, and little sli- slides and projectors. And we've gone through them, and it's been it's been a really lovely experience going through and seeing pictures of your aunt or your your uncle or your grandparents or whatnot. And I feel like when I pass, obviously mm. the, the world will be a, a, you know, a sadder place and there'll be, there'll be lots of tears. <laughs> in the morning. Well, yeah, but there, but there won't be a box of negs. There won't be, you know, there'll be a encrypted because you should always encrypt your hard drives. There'll be an encrypted drive with my <laughs> my life of work. You know, Wait, who, easy solution, have, mate. That doesn't have to be the case. You shoot make an egg. Shoot well. well. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I, I need I to hear get... you. I hear you, though. I mean, like, most people don't. We don't. Yeah, this do is it. it. I, I think I'm just very aware of it, so I do get stuff printed. So but when the I... difference is that your great-grandson might be able to Google you and find some kind of Twitter outburst you had in 2007. <laughs> where you, my great-grandson was the co-host... so that you know there will be a digital footprint i guess the joy of looking back over you know i had a granddad who kept a scrapbook Mm. and it's wonderful looking back at all the pictures that he cut out and then he would Mm. you know do illustrations for the you know for his trip to x you know to to pool harbor 
and he'd do a little kind of map that he'd draw. And this was when he was in his kind of 20s. Um, and it's the joy of it is the fact that there is only that. There's no kind of other 500 shots that weren't quite as good. Because <laughs> let's yeah. face it, if someone got access to a hard drive, yeah. they'd be like, it's full of crap. Yeah. No one's actually going to look through it and go, yeah. oh, there are some good shots in here. You know, they want to see a highlights reel. And that's what we used to see in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's any takeaway, Tom, it's it's start printing your work and putting it in a time capsule. So, sold my printer last month, didn't I? What what, what a terrible time to have oh, this. What a wally. What a wally. <laughs> right. So we tend to uh, finish up with, because we've, you know... You know, travel's not really a big thing at the moment, obviously, because of COVID, but we have managed to strand you on this desert island. Right. Now, obviously, strand you sounds a bit aggressive. Like, we does. <laughs> <laughs> stranded you. Dropped you, don't you? Yeah. Sorry, we, we were shooting there and then we just forgot you. That's even, that's even harsher. Sorry. No. Okay. So, so you've accidentally found yourself on this island. You've, you've bought one book and one camera. What's your book going to be other than your book? <laughs> yeah, no. I'll, I'll leave my book behind. Um, okay, so I would probably take the uh, there's a you know Life magazine. Yep, I think there's a book called The Great Life Photographers. Um, I have it. Yeah, I really love that book. It's one of the first photography books that I bought, and it's sort of chock full of iconic, um, mm-hmm. classic photographs, um, photos that sort of hold hold your attention. And mm. are kind of like timeless. They sort of deliver like a long-lasting in, impression. And I, mm-hmm. I can flick through that, you know, every year, and I never get bored. It's just like mm. there's just such such fantastic stuff in there. Golden age, golden age of photography, I think. Mm, very much so. Yeah. Now, what would your camera be to go with that? Um, okay, so my grandfather gave me his old Leica, um, so I would probably take that. Is it an M6 or an M? No, it's old. It's old. It's like Three? an old screw mount, you know, oh, wow, wow. thing. So there's no batteries. Um, um, so if I could take a dark room as well, I could sort of develop my own film. There. There's actually a dark room on the island. Um, yeah, ideal, ideal. Yeah, and a lab. That's perfect. Um, is it an M2? Uh, M2. What type of screw mount? Say, guys, L39. I like a Barnack screw mount. That's all I. Wow. That's what oh. I know it has. Well, I and we'll we'll link to that in the show notes because I don't think uh, I've seen one of them. So that's, no, that's I, don't think, I don't think I have either. Have you shot with it? I have shot with it. It's pretty sort of uh, soft, cranky. Yeah, but it's kind of nice. As um, I've taken some nice pictures of the kids with it, um, mm-hmm. and it, it's a bit inconsistent. You know, you'll get like <laughs> crazy light leaks because the casing's probably a little bit holy and stuff. But I, you know, I love that. I love that. Element of unpredictability, and it's sometimes it's yeah. amazing, sometimes it's completely screwed. But the, the amazing- it makes the moments that you capture more special, right? Yeah, because totally. because they they are they do become incredibly unique one to off. that camera at that time. Absolutely, yeah. one off. Yeah, 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 completely. Yeah. So amazing. Well, I'm sure you'll be snapping away in your desert. There's not much on the desert island. It's just a single palm tree. Okay. <laughs> three three uh, series. <laughs> Seventy-two. What a bleak ble- island! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Island. Can I order anything in? <laughs> um, if if people want to find you online, where can where can they do that? Okay, so my website is madebyfin.com, and that's Finn with two N's. And my Instagram is justfin, F-I-N-N. Um, my Twitter is Finn. Beals, my full name. I'd really like to get the at Finn Twitter. It has, it's, it's like an out of use account at the moment. So uh, is that that's the, that's the most annoying thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's like someone a, who posted in like 2014. Completely, completely yeah. <laughs> so if if Twitter's listening, hook hook me up and align align my social media accounts. Are they a big I was say, Twitter's a big fan of the show. Excellent, excellent. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Twitter. <laughs> Mr. Twitter. Um, <laughs> So yeah, and then um, the book, uh, the four of photography story. We'll link to that in the show notes, um, but you can get it from most obvious places. And then your your new book, or I guess is that coming out in twenty twenty two, twenty twenty one. So autumn twenty twenty one. Sorry, I'm wishing away time. Yeah, autumn twenty one. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, it seems to have flown, doesn't it? 2020 doesn't seem to have existed, really. No. Which is a good thing. Yes, I think so. It's just it's a, been a bit, just forget it's been it. a bin fire over the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to leave it behind. <laughs> yeah. Light is on the horizon. 2021 is where it's at. This is it. I reckon it's... Well, this is the first show of 2021, so it's already looking up. Ah, uh, cool. Excellent. Look, at that. Look at that. How was, you, how was your Christmas? Oh, it was great. Thank you. <laughs> well, we so definitely aren't recording this the week before Christmas. <laughs> oh, don't ruin the magic. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> well, it's been one absolute pleasure it has been to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, and yeah, here's, here's to a very successful 2021. Thanks, guys. All the best for the new year. Thanks for having me on. Oh. Really appreciate it. Hey, guys. And thank you so much for listening to the latest episode. If you'd like to stay in touch there are a number of options for you to uh, reach out. We can be emailed um, at info at exposednegative.com and you can find us on the website at exposednegative.com or on Instagram at xnegative. We're pretty good at responding to DMs on there and we're also on Twitter at exposednegative. You can find us personally on our own private accounts on Instagram. Uh, Tom is tombarnes.com and I am just Greg Fennell. Cheers. Thanks for listening.